Red with Jay Blessed is a transparent look into the life and mind of a Caribbean woman having human experiences. Get into my mind as I share my most vulnerable thoughts and honest experiences. I'll take you on a roller coaster of emotions as you get to know someone who might share similar experiences with you. Some might make you speechless, you'll definitely laugh. Others might make you angry and some might even make you cry. But my very real, very raw, very relatable weekly podcast will always keep you coming back for more. Join me as I talk to myself, talk to you, and even talk to some special friends in my head. (laughs) In my head is an introspective look from a voyeuristic point of view. For a list of all my social channels and how you can connect with me, please view this episode's summary. To join in on the conversation, use the hashtag HeadWithJB. That's H-E-A-D-W-I-T-H-J-B. And follow me on Instagram at RealJBlessed and Twitter at JBlessed. Let's get in on the conversation together. Don't forget to log on to my official website, JBlessed.com. A human experience from a Caribbean perspective. Episode number nine, teach me how to love. Hey fam, it's yet another episode of In My Head with your girl. Listen, I am so blessed. I feel so blessed. I love y'all so very much. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for all the love I got from last week's episode. Um, I just wanted to say thank you so very much, and I needed a whole episode to do that. So thank you for all of the outpouring of love that you guys continue to show. Uh, As you know, this body of work that I'm doing each and every week for you It's really me putting myself out there as a living sacrifice for y'all to pick apart and, you know, take whatever you need, you know, get the meat, throw away the bones, all that kind of shit. Um, But today I wanted to do something a little bit different. Uh, Since we've been hearing my perspective a lot, I wanted to change up the dynamic of the podcast a little bit to to have some testosterone up (laughs) up in the studio other than G. Oh, yeah, it's some fine-looking testosterone, too. G can't agree with me. Yo, I got an amazing guest in studio, but before I introduce who he is, please make sure that you have subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play. I'm also on SoundCloud. But please, I would be so honored if you would leave a five-star rating five stars like you give to your great uber driver that just dropped you off this morning and played that great new five stars damn it and a great written <laughs> comment <laughs> i love you so much i really appreciate it so make sure you go do that right now in my head. so in studio today we have a really really amazing gentleman and I'm so honored to be able to have him as my first official in-studio and male guest. Y'all put your hands together for Jason Rosario. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jason. Hey. Hey, up, Jason. Jason. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that's the name of your podcast. Jason is uh, an executive producer and host of Yahoo original series, Dare Men. He's also the founder of The Lives of Men. He now has his new podcast that just came out like two episodes ago, three yeah. episodes ago, yeah. called Hey Jason. <laughs> <laughs> he is an amazing guy doing amazing things in our community, and he has a heart for men. And we are going to talk a lot about that today in this episode called Teach Me How to Love. I know you're probably thinking, what the fuck? <laughs> what does this have to do with anything? But you you get it. In the meantime, Jason, how you feeling? I feel good. I feel good. Thanks for having me. Nice. Thank you for coming, Indeed. taking the trek. Shout out to everybody from the Bronx. <laughs> Shout out to BX. BX stand up. <laughs> Shout out to everybody from the Bronx. Please, Brooklyn people, it is not that hard to jump on a train or take a car ride to City Island. Okay, I'll just well, hold go. Up. Is that City Island is not the only <laughs> thing going on in the Bronx, okay? Tell us what's going on in the Bronx, <laughs> there's Jason. There's a lot more I'm sure like we'll what? get into. Like what? I mean, look, there's the South Bronx, there's Yankee Stadium, there's the Botanical Gardens. Uh, there's a uh, lot going on in the Bronx. There's BX, a zoo. Man. Okay, take your kids <laughs> to the zoo. zoo. <laughs> Don't leave your man there, but you can take your kids to the goddamn zoo. <laughs> Jason, tell yeah. us in your own words, who is Jason Rosario? Who is? That's a great question because I'm still trying to figure that out. Ah, that's uh, good. I think aren't, aren't we all trying to figure out who we are? Um, I am. I consider myself a multi-hyphenate. Um, I'm a little bit of everything. I, I do, as you mentioned, I'm an executive producer. I'm a host. Uh, I am a content creator. Uh, I am a community serviceman, if you will. But before all of that, I am a father, I'm a son, I'm a partner, I'm a friend, I'm a brother. And uh, and I'm just another person out here trying to figure out what it is that my purpose is and then trying my best to live in it. I like that because that ties into the premise of this podcast as, as well. I'm also trying to figure out who the fuck I am on mm. a daily basis and um, you know, trying to figure out what's in my head. Right. So what's going through your head right now? <laughs> um, a, a little bit of worry. <laughs> no, um, I'm good. I, I feel like we we've had this conversation pending for a really long time and I'm grateful that we're able to have it. And there's no coincidence that we're having it in this form, because uh, I'm sure that whatever we'll talk about are things that people out there wondering and and, and have questions about. And we've had a lot of conversations kind of offline just about building a brand, you know, mental health, like all these things that I think we take for granted uh, and we tend to feel like we're isolated on. So I'm really grateful that we're going to have this conversation in such a form that's going to be amplified to so many people. So, Talking about mental health, that's a platform that you are very, very vocal about. Yeah. And I actually did my mental health first aid um, course with you yeah. in the lives of men. So shout out to everyone that's ever done that course. And if you have not, yeah. please get it done. Tell us why it was so important for you to uh, host that certificate yeah. program through Lives of Men for yeah. the community. And shout out to the Gentleman's Factory and Jeff Lindor, uh, who hosted us in Brooklyn and Flatbush. Uh, it's important to me because the work that I do around masculinity can't be separated from mental health, at least for men. You know, a lot of the, the reasons that we suffer from depression and anxiety as men is because we have to, we feel this pressure of having to perform and live up to these ideas of masculinity that are outdated. Um, being stoic and being, and holding in our feelings is the, the very definition of depression. So uh, in my mind, it, there's no separation between the work around helping men really identify healthier frameworks of what it means to be a man and also helping men 
understand the importance of taking care of themselves mentally beyond the kind of the physical, right? When we think about wellness, we think about just going to the gym and getting a six pack and all these things or doing yoga, uh, but we don't really think about our mental and emotional well-being. So I wanted to make sure that we connected both, right? Because I, in my mind, th that work is intertwined. You just mentioned uh, depression. Uh, so be honest with me. Mm -hmm. We're talking about everything that's in my head. Have you ever suffered with depression? I'm depressed right now. All right, I'm let's gonna, talk about I'm that. I'm gonna be real honest with you. It's uh, and and it's I'm not. You know, they're different. There are different levels of depression, right? You know, you've got your clinical depression where you have to rely on medication, and you've got your mild depression where you might have some moments where. Uh, you're not feeling your best self. You might be feeling despondent. You might be feeling blue. And then you have your, you know, kind of just your bouts of depressive moments. Um, I'm feeling a lot of different things. You know, I'm just kind of in, ironically enough, I was just talking to someone on the phone and I was like, look, I got to take a social media break for at least the month of July uh, because you're not where at least consciously about the messages that you receive through social media. So, um, you know, I find myself in, a, in an interesting place, right? I am building all these platforms and, and choosing to walk in my purpose. That can be a very lonely path to take, right? Because who do you talk to about whether it's an opportunity that came your way that you're trying to kind of figure out what to do with or things are not materializing in ways that you want them to in, in as quickly as a fashion that you want them to. It, that really causes a lot of stress in, in your in your mind and in your heart. And so um, couple that with kind of family trauma, um, things in my past that I'm healing from actively, all of those things kind of compress and combine to to create the cocktail of sorts of, of feeling like you're overwhelmed. And, um, and I just am grateful to have the awareness of, of that happening in my life and, and kind of the physical symptoms and what that looks like. And then be able to say, you know what, I got to take a step back and and recenter myself so would you say your depression is genetic or environmental or a combination of both that's a great question Jamie because as much work as I've done to understand the disease that is depression right because it is a disease I realized that we still as a society and the reason it's so stigmatized especially in communities of color is that we apply a, a moral quotient to depression Right, um, just like we did with alcoholism, just like we do with uh, addictions of gambling, for example, right? So for whatever reason, when we look at someone that's depressed, it's like, oh, well, you should be stronger than that. You should pray it up or you should be doing something different. And, and we don't look at it as a society, as a disease. So for me, understanding that really gives me a sense of grace, right? Allows me to give myself grace, allows me to give those who I know suffer from this disease a lot of grace and room for them to, to kind of find way. And then to the extent that I can ask for help, which is another thing that men don't do, right? Ask for help, realizing that you might just need someone to talk to. It's just being able to do that is, is critically important for me. So I, I love the fact that you use the word disease. And normally I say dis Ease, this ease, right? Right, right. And, and I think because probably anyone hearing you say that word right now would be like, "Oh, the fuck, no! I ain't got no goddamn disease, right?" right. Um, let's peel back the layers a little bit. You are a Latino man yeah. <laughs> of Caribbean ancestry, um, and I talk a lot about our Caribbean men, our black men, who really do not like to express their feelings. They've been conditioned from the time they were a child. Uh, don't cry, big boys don't cry, um, man up, 
we we know a slew of different you know like phrases that have been ingrained in them from childhood boys don't play with dolls like a bunch of different things so as a latino man of caribbean background how have you been able to overcome a lot of these stigmas and stereotypes and even even these phrases you may or may not have heard while growing up to evolve and say listen i recognize that i am battling with something that i really need to talk about and it's okay to talk about it yeah um great question i think I want to go back really quickly to the to the last question that you asked me about whether or not depression is genetic uh, or not. And I do think that everyone is born with a predisposition of ha- suffering from depression, right? If you have just the right amount of chromosomes or the right mix of chromosomes, then you're predisposed to suffering from depression. Now, what activates is that depression is trauma, right? Whether it's a breakup, whether it's you being abused. And, and in your last episode, you talked a lot about being abused and being toxic, finding yourself in toxic environments can very well be the trigger to that depression um, being activated. Uh, so understanding that, I think, is, is also important. But as a Latino man, uh, again, just tying that back into the work that I do around masculinity and how mental health and masculinity, to me, are intertwined, think about, and again, thinking about trauma, as a young man growing up is not just being told that you have to man up, that I can't cry, et cetera, but then living in a culture that essentially is, is very patriarchal in nature, right? It says, it says to me that, look, your value is tied to what you produce and what you bring to the family and not the amount of love and compassion and nurturing that you can offer to your, the people that you love. So when you're growing up in that environment and those messages are constantly being reinforced, as a grown man, then you find yourself in relationships where the your partner actually needs the opposite and you start to confront these very real lessons that you never learned and then you're forced to then unlearn a lot of that stuff that we're taught through machismo which is another form of patriarchy etc we're forced to unlearn a lot of that stuff and then relearn and pick up the tools from the beginning so it's no coincidence that when we find ourselves in relationships that are contentious and, and aren't working and the women are, you know, we live in this, um, and I'm, I'm rambling a bit, but I think it all hopefully makes sense. We live in this world where women are saying men are trash. I think it's a, lot, a large part of that is because, you know, as men, we haven't been taught the love languages, right, or the way to do and express love in healthy ways. And, uh, and I think a lot of that comes down to just our socialization, not just uh, uh, economically, but also culturally, especially as a Latino, Afro-Latino man. I love when you say Latino. Say it again. (laughs) So listen, um, you said something that um, just churned up a a question I had in my head. Actually, it was a statement I made a while ago, Mm -hmm. and I want to know your thoughts on it. I stated on another podcast I was a guest on that, yes, a woman can raise a man, can raise a really good man, but it takes a really healthy man to raise a man. What are your Fully. thoughts on my statement? Because a lot of people came from my necks, but they didn't really understand mm-hmm. what I said. So what are your, what, what's your take on that? I, I agree, and that's why I added fully towards the end, right? Because I think that's what's missing, is I'm a product of a single-parent home, and so the biggest fallacy is that women aren't in a position to raise good men. And if we are in a society now, a time and place where we're asking men to be more emotive and be more in touch with their quote-unquote feminine side, then who better than a woman to teach us that? 
uh, I'm a product of a single parent home. And while my mom did a great job, yes, there were instances in which I do and still do wish that my dad was around. So to your statement, it's yes, women are fully capable of raising men, but it takes a man to fully raise a man, like well-rounded, right? In, in the sense that a boy needs model behavior. He needs to have something to, to model himself after um, that's, that's like him, right? That's, that's male. So he needs to be able to see a man uh, interact with a woman in a relationship. He needs to be able to see what a man does on a daily basis. In a healthy way. In a healthy way, totally. Um, he needs to be able to see what a man does every day to to not only follow his dreams and passions, but take care of his responsibilities and then take care of himself. So, you know, those types of things, unfortunately, there's only so much you can learn from a woman. Um, and I think that's why the, you have the group of people that say you, you need a man in there. But I, I would say that just having a man isn't going to necessarily lead to you raising a good boy because we all know men who have been raised with two parents in the household that are out here, you know, just a mess. So I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that notion 100%. Hence the reason why I emphasize the word a healthy man. Yeah. And I think we could define what a healthy man is. So do you want to define what a good man and a healthy man is? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know what a healthy man is. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I'm striving so for that. So what's your idea of a good man? It's funny because I asked that question at the end of my podcast. It, mm. That changes every day. For me, right now, today, if you ask me my definition of a good man, is someone who is able to be convicted in his vision for what he wants his life to be and then understands not just how to be vulnerable and how to be strong, it's when to be one of those things. It's not enough to know how to be strong. It's about knowing and being aware enough in your relationships and in your own life to know when to turn that switch on and off. So, I always talk about there is strength and vulnerability, and I think a lot of people need to tap into that, but also know how and when to. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's our daily struggle, right? Um, you mentioned before, you know, your father not being around. Uh, oftentimes when you hear of daddy issues, it's always associated with a woman. Mm-hmm. Do you think men have daddy issues? Absolutely. Let's talk about it. Um, as a boy, you think about who is the first person that you're trying to impress. Mm. It's not your mom. Mm. It's your dad. When you're out in the park, he's throwing a baseball, you're throwing a football or whatever. When he says, good job, son, like that first confirmation of your um, your worth or your self-esteem, that, that reinforcement comes from your father. And, um, and that's important. So... For me, not growing up with my dad, he was in and, um, in and out of my life for, for large periods of time. By the time he passed, we, we made amends and kind of I forgave him and I asked him to forgive me for the instances in which I didn't live up to, to my role as a son. But it, it was, I realized that he did the best he could and I learned what I didn't want to be. It's just negative confirmation, right? Like so many of us have unfortunately in the hood where we don't have the positive examples, we resort to the negative confirmation type of examples that we don't want to be, where you don't want to be that dude on the corner, you don't want to be the girl out there sleeping around, et cetera, right? So for me, that was it. It's it's knowing what kind of man he was and, and wanting to be the opposite. I don't want to be like my dad. Right, right. Let's switch gears a little bit. Um, you are on so many panels and getting awards and shit, <laughs> all that good stuff. Which I still don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been in a few panels as well, mm -hmm. and oftentimes you'll see a panel of people that are advising women how to leave or how to avoid an abusive relationship with a man. 
but very rarely you would ever see a panel on men or women advising women how to love, respect, and treat their men and how to create a space of safety <laughs> for their men to express themselves and for us women to listen. I think a lot of times when a man becomes emotive, we're like, oh my God, he just like, oh my God, he just poured out his soul. But by the time he's finished, you just go straight into responding instead of actually listening to what the fuck he just said. Yeah. So why is it that there's this big disparity in our society of always teaching women how to avoid abusive relationships and not really teaching women how to not be abusive to the men in their relationships? Yeah. Why does it always seem like the woman is always the victim and not the man? Yeah. Well, what you I don't even know if you realize what you're asking, Jamie, is it's so layered and it's so deep. And uh, we can probably spend the next hour talking about just this one topic, but I'm going to try to condense it and answer your question very directly. Number one, I think women must realize, just as men must realize, that we're both impacted by patriarchal norms and societal norms that we're taught equally it's just it looks different for us uh for women it looks it, it manifests itself in the form of sexual harassment and rape culture and misogyny etc that violence and for us it results in this this notion that we are from a very young age separated from our emotions which is a very violent process as well so full stop i think when we when we look at it that way we'll realize that we're both suffering from the same affliction but to your point about why is it that we don't see more spaces and more conversations around how men or how women can hold space for men, that's because in large part, and I understand that I'm speaking from a position of privilege here, right, as a man, but I know that in large part, women have bared the brunt of our socialization and our privilege and our et cetera. So more often than not, you're going to see the woman be the victim and, and then require the attention be paid on that for her healing. Uh, but I think I take a lot of a lot of heat because I try to make the case that we're both hurting, both men and women are hurting, and that for us, what we're really trying to do is build stronger communities, and there's no way to do that unless we can come to the table fully and hear each other. And when I say that, I think a lot of people take that, or a lot of women take that as, well, nah, you know, y'all been trash forever, and we've been trying to have y'all listen to us and listen to our pain and address our pain. We're not here for that anymore. Right. So when we when you talk about your hurt, think about all the things that you've already put us through. And, and I get that. But I think it's also important to understand what is the root cause. Right. So that's why I have a problem with the whole men are trash thing and et cetera, because we're not really addressing the root causes of the trauma that are causing men to behave in, in these ways. Um, let me pause there. I want to talk about something that's a little bit more personal to me because it's driven a lot of the work that I do today. I found myself in a toxic relationship where I thought that um, we were both equally responsible for the demise of that relationship. But looking back on it, I was like, yeah, I was abused. I was abused not only uh, emotionally um, in, in ways that I didn't fathom or I couldn't understand at the time. And I just chalked that up while I was happening. I was chalking that up as, as that's love. You know, you, you subscribe to it, you're in love, you put up with it, and you continue to move forward. And only in hindsight was I able to understand that in that relationship, uh, whatever she was going through, whatever she brought to that relationship was stuff that she hadn't healed from. And I think you said it in your last episode, she bled all over me. And, and in certain respects, I also bled over her. Um, 
but I think that's that's also part of the, the issue is that we don't do the necessary self-reflective work as men or women to understand our own shit and then before entering another relationship. And, and unfortunately, that causes a lot of the, nah, I need to take care of me versus you taking care of, of, of yourself. Super deep. I could totally. Um, you can be here forever. Yeah. That <laughs> That's so deep. Uh, yeah, I've definitely been one of those women to bleed uh, on a man that I cared for and loved because I, I did not heal from my past. So again, on this episode of Teach Me How to Love, I'm sorry. I apologize. Mm-hmm. I apologize. I really do. Um, what are your thoughts? You are, again, Latino man. We often hear that Caribbean and Latino women are hot-blooded and aggressive and they don't take no shit and all this spicy extra stuff, uh, a.k.a. Rihanna versus Chris Brown. Um, I have my own thoughts on that. That's why I said that. Um, (laughs) um, what are your thoughts on, you know, this whole stereotype that Caribbean black Latina women are so hot-blooded and aggressive and that most black men don't want to deal with black women for that reason because they're loud, they're assertive, so they'd rather deal with, you know, more docile type of woman like a Caucasian woman Mm -hmm. or an Asian woman. Let's talk about that. I want to hear from your point of view. (laughs) You know, it's funny you say that because as fiery and as dominant as Caribbean women can be, you still are very susceptible and subscribe very much to patriarchy and the gender roles associated with that. So when you think about who, I'm not saying you, Jamie, in particular, but I know women who are the strongest feminists and are still like, I got to cook for my man. I got to get home and I got to cook for him because he's going to be upset. And and I just don't understand how that happens. And, I, and, and when I look back at my aunts on the island or my grandmother even, strong women, strong-ass women, but still very much subscribe to that patriarchal norm. So it's, it's something that I'm still trying to understand. And uh, I actually did a show for Madame Noir not too long ago where the, the topic was, why aren't black men dating black women? And a lot of the feedback that we got from black men was that, well, black women are too strong and they're, they tear us down, right, compared to other races, right, mm. where... And, and for me, I was just like, wow, you know, love who you love. I'm not, I'm not attacking that, but I'm just like, why is it that men feel this, this sense of intimidation when it comes to a strong black woman who's outspoken, who is out there getting it on her own, but still wants to kind of be there for you? Or a strong black woman who wants you to be accountable for your shit. And I think that's it. That's the thing, right? I don't know if men generally, I'm not just talking about black men now. I'm talking about men in general. This is the first time, I think, in all of our lifetimes where the Me Too movement, Time's Up, all of these things are actually resulting in changed behavior. Whereas in the past, you know, the women's suffrage movement, all of these things were about power and control and dynamics and getting rights. Now we're actually seeing powerful men lose their jobs because of your pain as a woman. And so I think for the first time, we're being forced to reckon with that accountability in real ways, and, and men are really struggling to deal with that. I have a few questions coming up to you. It's going to be like some fire shot questions, so okay. don't worry. Um, we got we got some questions from the Jaybirds. That's what they're calling themselves these oh, days. Oh, my God. Should I be afraid <laughs> of the Jaybirds like the Beehive? <laughs> yes! <laughs> That's great. 
I love it. That's great. <laughs> Shout out to Lisa who coined that phrase. I absolutely love it. <laughs> so they got a whole bunch of questions for you because they heard a man was in the studio today. Okay. Sorry, G. <laughs> Sorry, Benoit. <laughs> what is your take on women who use the court system to control, demean, and belittle their men? Uh, I think it's fucked up. Uh, it's something that I have a very personal experience with just in the last year where I'm co-parenting a daughter and um, I've always been involved in her life in every way, financially, emotionally, etc. And as a preteen, we got into a situation where it was really tough and it got disrespectful and it got contentious. And it got to a point where I felt like my only worth in that dynamic of co-parenting was what I can contribute. So I was like, well, all right. I seriously considered estranging myself from my daughter for wow. a while for my own well-being. So I took myself to court and I was like, I'm going to put myself through child support. That was the weirdest experience because everything in that process is set up against the man, even the verbiage that they use. Um, and I, as I'm filling out the form, the people at the court are like, why are you here? Why, like, why would you do this to yourself? And I'm like, I'm trying to explain, you know, whatever. Um, it's tough because everything in the court system is set up. The assumption is if everything else is we presume that the person is innocent until proven guilty, that is the one part of our, I think, legal system that assumes that you're guilty and then you have to prove your innocence, if you mm. will, through paperwork, through et cetera. And it's the, it was the most demoralizing process. So I think a lot of that, Manipulation comes from a place of pain, pettiness, right, quite frankly, but it, it's it's unfortunate. You just said something, and you skimmed over it, but I want, want to revisit it. You said this, this experience was so draining for you that you were ready to estrange yourself from the relationship with your daughter. For a minute, yeah. And your daughter is soon to be 18, right? Like, mm -hmm. she's older. There are a lot of fathers who have babies, and youngins and toddlers and preteens that have that same thought that's running through their heads right now i don't want to deal with this shit if all she wants is fucking money i'm gonna pay her the fucking money i'm not mm. gonna be around i can't deal with this she don't want me to see my kids i can't come around i can't deal with the drama what advice do you have for a man that's going through and something that's like that? rough man that's rough because like you said my daughter i mean we're good now she's off to college at the end of this week but those in those instances where you're thinking about this and your child is young and that child is not going to have any sort of context for why you decided to leave when she's older or he's older is tough and i'd say this i think um parenthood is the only thing it's the one thing in my life at least that has brought me back to myself in ways that nothing else has uh, it's it's forced me to swallow my pride. It's forced me to really just do things and, and go through processes of, of growth that I never thought possible for the sake of my kid. So for those men who are considering this, I would say first and foremost, consider your well-being, right? If it's something that's really causing you pain and angst and, and you're, you just can't sleep at night, then think about what's more important to you. Um, and then to the extent possible, try to consistently be there. And it doesn't necessarily have to be physically, but send letters home, right? Uh, make sure that if your child is of age and has a phone, text, even if you don't get the text response back. Try to be present because that your parent or your child will always know um, the consistency beat anything else. 
That's super deep. Yeah. Somebody need that word. And, and I'm going to just put it out there t- to the mothers because I was a mother that took my daughter's dad to court. And when I got before the judge, I said, I don't want to pursue this. I'm just bringing you here to know that I can bring you here if I want to. And I should not have to do that. I should not have to be asking you for money to take care of your child and you giving me 20 fucking dollars. Mm. Are you fucking disrespectful? Mm. Um, and so I, I did not pursue child support and had to like really like, again, holding our men accountable because there's some motherfuckers that will have a child with you and not want to take care of their gods and responsibilities. Right. Let's just be real about this shit. But there are some men who really, they're trying their best and there are some women who really just abuse it. I know a lot of friends. I've actually told a lot of my male friends, you need to go to court and you need to file for joint custody. You need to go in front of this. You need to keep a journal. You need to send money through Western Union, Venmo, whatever you can, cashier's check and show and proof because at the end of the day, she can say you ain't giving her shit and you have to prove that. And so I totally understand what it is to be on one side and also have compassion for the other side. And tying into teach me how to love, it seems like being a parent has taught you yeah. how to love your kid, how to love yourself. And it's kind of precarious position to be when you have to be emotionally responsible for somebody else and you're trying to struggle to be emotionally responsible for yourself. Right. How do you find that balance? You just do love. What is doing love? Love is a verb. Mm. Right, it, love is when you when you when you said teach me how to love was the name of this episode. I was like, yikes, right? Because it's so deep. But in my mind, love you do love. You choose love every day, uh, even when you don't want to love. So in the example of my daughter, when I was just like, yo, I've had it, and I don't want to do this anymore. I chose to handwrite her a four-page letter. I showed up at her job and gave her random hugs. You know, so those are actions. Those are things that I did that didn't rely on this ethereal notion of love and and kumbaya and everything will be fine and love in time heals all you have to actually take action so i I mean i think that's that's the best answer i can give you Woo! this is some heavy shit (laughs) jason didn't sign up for this shit (laughs) i'm over here sweating (laughs) literally it's not a shit Summer 2019, yo. Hottest day of the year so far. You got me in the studio. Yo, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take you out for drinks after. Yo, Jason, here's the here's the thing. I I too suffer with depression. I'm very vocal about it. Uh, For me, it's a mixture of both uh, genetic and environmental. Um, And what's been going through my head for the last couple of weeks and months? uh, I've been going through a severe heartbreak. And so that's trauma mixed with already being depressed. Someone only started yesterday because it was like fall last week. Mm. (laughs) So, you know, the whole environment, the weather, everything plays. And I'm a woman. So I don't care what y'all ladies say. Being on your period, menstruating really does affect your mood. It affects your mind. It affects everything. And so you can't always get offended when someone asks, are you on your period? <laughs> That's some real life shit. Like that is a chemical imbalance. That that you are totally off flat. So please stop being offended. That's that's a real question. Are you on your period? Is it about to come? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but recently, I've been just battling with self worth. And you talked earlier about 
taking a break off of social media. And on last week's episode, I said, you know what? I do consider myself an influencer, but I'm not here to like help you buy no slim tummy fat tea or fashion over and shit. I'm here selling you mental health, right? Um, but it becomes a lot when you are a content creator or you are deeply involved in your community and you have a big heart for people and then you're on social media and you're seeing things that are reminding you well you ain't doing everything you're supposed to be doing you ain't reached that goal yet like this one is here and that one is there how do you as a young black man how do you navigate that not only from a withdrawing yourself from social media because i mean mm-hmm. where we're at and the kind of work you do you really can't so how do you protect your mind your spirit and your heart on a daily basis it's funny you say that we can't take a break or remove ourselves from social media completely uh, i'm actually going to take a break for the month of july especially because i'm going to my 40th year in august i think it's a good time to take stock of where I've been, where I want to go, and how I'm feeling. But in terms of my work and, and social media, it's hard because all of my work is very much my life that's packaged in a way where other people can draw inspiration from it. So when I put something out, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a piece of content, whether it's a selfie video that I recorded, it feels like an indictment on my self-worth if that thing doesn't go viral relative to uh, a shiggy dance that gets three million views and again nothing against Shiggy shout to him he's doing great things but I just wonder what kind of world we live in where if you and I are in the middle of selling people this positivity this medicine if you will that they need or sometimes that they don't even know they need why is it that that's not going viral and something else is Speak on it. I feel sometimes like I need to show tits and ass for y'all to get <laughs> to hear what I'm saying. But you know what? It's not just, women aren't the only ones that are suffering from that, right? Men are going through that as well, especially men like myself who are choosing to to build use social media in a positive way, not just you know kind of out here and doing these ratchet things. But that's a very real thing, and that contributes to my psyche and how my you know, whether it triggers my depression and, and anxiety episodes. So here's what I'm going to do. I don't want you to leave just yet, but I'm going to wind down this episode. And just because I love y'all, we're going to have a bonus episode with Jason answering some of your questions. But Jason, I want to give you an opportunity uh, to send love to the people that love you. Mm. I know uh, I, I can feel your energy, and it takes a lot for you to just even admit and take up this mantle of self-care and mental health and self-awareness and want to share that and want to evangelize that to your community especially to your fellow men and it takes a lot for people in your life to understand that be compassionate with that support that and love you through that Mm -hmm. so you have the floor (laughs) Send some love out to the people in your life, in your community that's always showing you love and it's that is holding you up on a daily basis. Thank you so much, Jamie, for allowing me to do that because that's not something that, one, you don't hear on many podcasts, but it's not something that I get an opportunity to do so publicly often. 
partly because I'm a very private person. I kind of try to protect the people I love. But shout out to my family, man. Shout out to my mom, who's my biggest cheerleader. She's also a social media celebrity in her she own is. right. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Mama. Hi. <laughs> shout out to my my brother and my sisters, um, my partner Andrea. Shout out to you. I think it's just uh, y'all don't. I mean what you see on social and the, the product of the work is nice and it's well buttoned up and all that but what you don't see and I'm talking about the audience is the times where I'm in my bed and I don't want to get up and it's a beautiful day outside and I haven't brushed my teeth and Andrea comes home from work and I'm still in the bed and she's like what's going on and she holds space for me or when my mom is like yo Jason you are exactly where you need to be you're my son you're beautiful all these things uh, People don't get to see that. And without that, man, I, I would not be where I'm at. And I'm getting choked up thinking about it because it's, I, I, I often take it for granted. I'm not even going to front. I take it for granted often. And they have never not been there for me, man. And um, I'm so grateful for them. Jason Rosario, thank you so very, very much for coming through in my head. Thank you so very much for being a guest. Thank you for teaching us ladies and how to love our men and how to love ourselves and teaching our guys that tune in and how to be better men. I appreciate you. I love and appreciate you too for you. who you are and and how you show up in the world. Um, and you're laughing in the booth because you know exactly <laughs> what I mean. Um, you know, I appreciate you and thank you for being real and continue to do this because we see you, we hold you, your tribe is out here. Thank you so much. Yo, in my head with Jay Blessed. Make sure to follow Jason Rosario on Instagram at Jason underscore underscore Rosario and his amazing men's movement at The Lives of Men. And don't forget, you can tune into his podcast, Hey Jason, and check out his original series, Dear Men on Yahoo. All the links can be found in this episode's summary. What's playing in my head? Well, it's summer 2019 and I'm feeling a bit nostalgic, so I want to listen to some R&B. So based on everything we've been talking about today, I think it's only it's it's only fear that I drop an old school music soul child teach me. <laughs> so to the millennials, please please learn the lyrics. <laughs> it's the girl Jane Bless. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of In My Head. Episode 9? What the fuck? <laughs>